Well, good morning. Welcome into Bible study this morning. Thank you for being here. Let's uh, begin with prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, even as we hear the words of that song playing as we gather this morning, um, our deepest desire is that it would be only you. You would be uh, the only name that is remembered out of our lives. May you be the legacy uh, that our lives leave behind. As Steve Green sang so many years ago, may the footsteps that we lead Leave, lead them to believe, and may the lives we live inspire them to obey. May all who come behind us find us faithful. Thank you for all those who have uh, gone before us here at this camp, for the great saints of the church, the great cloud of witnesses that has preceded us. Um, may you do something in, in our lives uh, today, even today on this very grounds that leaves a mark, that uh, leaves the fragrance of Christ. Um, we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about you in all things today. So thank you for this opportunity. We pray your spirit will fill this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. Um, we are continuing our study of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, let me just take a pause today and give a little bit of context for where we are. Um, all of the letter of Corinthians, Paul is attempting to really point the church at Corinth to Jesus as the answer for all things in our lives, that the answer and the plan is that He would indwell us by His Spirit and He would flow through us and that would be the solution and the plan for every situation. And so the letter really is Him just really taking one issue at a time that they were facing. First four chapters basically deals with church division. Then he gets into chapters 5 and 6 dealing with some other issues like some sexual immorality and some uh, lawsuits against each other. And then he gets into chapter 7 and he talks about marriage. And then chapters 8 through 10, he deals with idolatry. And then uh, chapter 11, he deals a little bit with order in the body of Christ. And then uh, in chapters 12 through 14, he's dealing with this whole issue that we, we've come to here with the issue of gifts of the Spirit. That Again, as we've explained many times, but in case you're just joining us in the church, they uh, had begun to kind of gravitate towards only one gift. Uh, they'd begun to make one gift the big focus instead of realizing that there are many gifts, as he's uh, talking about here, and that it's all really focused on him and that it is him flowing through us. We don't even choose what gift. We, did, anybody ever try, did anybody try out for a gift of the Spirit? Or and it was there a sign-up sheet or a trial slot? You don't apply for it. He chooses and he does it. And that's the point. Paul says, get focused on him. Let him what he want, do what he wants to do in your life. So chapters 12 through 14 is dealing, if you've never realized it before, that's the, that's the beauty of the context. We really, uh, when you're doing your Bible study, one of the most, as a matter of fact, I might make the case that, in fact, Haddon Robinson in his book on biblical preaching many years ago, many of us, how many of you, anybody, uh, old preachers here use uh, the Haddon Robinson book on biblical preaching? That was, your, that was our textbook for, for expositional biblical preaching. And, and Robinson says in that book, context really is the most important factor in determining the meaning of a passage, context. I was with a, a teacher last week, uh, Chris Lorstorfer is the uh, academic dean at Wesley Biblical Seminary. I, I'm going to borrow his line. He said this, um, whenever a preacher takes a text out of context, all you're left with is a con. I thought that was a good, a good quote. 
If you take a text out of context, all you're left with is a con. And that's, a, that's important. So in this context, 12, 12, 13, and 14 are all section dealing with this. So chapter 12, he's laying out these important principles we're talking about this week with uh, gifts of the Spirit and the whole how that works in the body of Christ. And then chapter 14, he's going to say, now listen, folks, um, just so we're not confused, the speaking in languages is a legitimate gift in the body of Christ. It was then, I personally believe that it is still today, but chapter 14, and we're not going to get into that, but chapter 14, he says, here are the appropriate guidelines for how that is to be used in an orderly way under the leadership of the Spirit. So outside of that, it's out of order. But here, here's some guidelines and some parameters for how that is to take place. So he does that in chapter 14. And by the way, one of the main messages, and we'll touch on this today, one of the main, there's a word that's repeated in chapter 14, like a whole bunch, like several times, and it's the word edify. And, and by the way, the purpose of every gift of the Spirit when He's working through us, the purpose is always not about me. The purpose is to edify the body, right? That's the purpose. So tucked in the middle there is chapter 13. You're going, what's that all about? And obviously, chapter 13 is there to say when He's working in and through us in, in any of the spiritual gifts, love is the whole tone of it because it's all about others, Right? So that's the context. So this morning we're looking at verses 8 through 11, and uh, I hope you're not disappointed with this. hope you're not disappointed with this. But this is actually the last verses that he's going to actually address the gifts. Most of the chapter, once we get tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, on Wednesday morning, because tomorrow's Mission Day, right? Everybody ready for Mission Day? All right. So when we resume this study on Tuesday morning, beginning at verse 12, we're going to then transition into him talking about the body of Christ. So he's going to make two main points about the body of Christ. We are many members, but one body. Many parts of the body, one body. And we'll begin talking about that on Wednesday. So this is the last part, really. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So let's, uh, let's read verses 8 through 11. And uh, uh, trans- actually, let's back up to verse 7 for context. And then we'll move into 8 through 11. He says in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit... Remember that. Every spiritual gift is a manifestation of Him. This manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Again, it's all about the body. And then verse 8. For, pay attention to that. For, verse 8 begins... To one is given, now he's going to list some. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. I really like Paul's writing. He's kind of like a run-on speaker sometimes, but I really like his writing. And the reason I like his writing is because of the repetition. I don't know about anybody else here, but I need repetition in my life. I need to hear things often, and I need to hear it kind of repeated in different ways in order to get it. And that just helps me. So I really like how he does that. He must have understood that I was going to need that. Well, probably the Corinthians needed it, this idea of repeating the same point. And really, I, you're probably going to get tired of this, 
But it, it, it bears repeating because it was such a misunderstanding in their church, and I think it's a misunderstanding in some circles today. It bears repeating that the main point is he's making this overwhelming declaration. This is just, you can't miss this. You'd have to be blind. You'd have to just be asleep to miss this point. But again, in verses 8 through 11, he's trying to shout and echo the same point he's been making all through the chapter thus far up to this point, and he will continue to make it, and that is this. The Holy Spirit is the source and the facilitator of the gifts. It has nothing to do with us. We're simply the vehicles. We're simply the vessels. We're simply the conduits for what He does. Gifts of the Spirit's never about us. It's always about Him. And again, as I said, that's so important for repeating because, again, when we did the Myers-Briggs test when I was in seminary and I found out that I was an ISTJ, it's like we got all focused on that. Ooh, what's that mean? What's, what do I need to do with that? And so I studied who are some other... I, so I went through, you know, you go through history and find out, oh, uh, I think George Washington was an ISTJ. I don't know how they even know that, but anyway. So I, George Washington, oh, Queen Elizabeth's an ISTJ. Oh, so how do I need to act like them? Or, oh, that's my leadership style. Or that's, that's my kind of... So what do I do with that? And his whole point is, you know, I could have put a... Um, I, I, I put in the book, I could have wore a bracelet. What would ISTJ do, you know? I'm ISTJ. What do I do in this situation, you know? And you see, you see how the tendency is, we talked about that for like two weeks as students. We, we were so enamored with that whole thing. And, and Paul's point is, it's so easy. Don't, don't forget that the whole, this is his business, not yours. You know what your business is? We hear it a lot in this camp, and, and I've heard it echoed this week. You know what my job is? Respond to him. Well, there's got to be more to it than that. There's not. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. You just abide in me and I in you. It's that simple. You just respond to me and I'll work and I'll, I'll equip the body and I'll move through your life and I'll do everything that needs to be done if you just stay connected to me. So this is just kind of shouted from the rooftops here, again in verses 8 through 11 really clearly, that the Holy Spirit is the source and facilitator of all these gifts of the Spirit, or if you prefer to call them spiritual gifts. So notice in verse 11 how he, after he kind of makes, in verses 8 through 10, how he does a little bit of an, uh, a sampling, I would say, of spiritual gifts. And I, 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 many commentators would agree with this, that verses 8 through 10, this is not an exhaustive list. You know what I mean? This is a sampling. This is kind of him just kind of giving some examples. And so you may look at verses 8 to 10 and go, wow, no, none of those seem to fit me. Don't worry about that. This is just a sampling, okay, just to get the point across. So he's just kind of going, for example, there's this one and this one and this one. But here's the point. Verse 11 is kind of the summary, kind of like when you wrote your thesis. Remember in high school, you, you would write a thesis paper or a, a term. Remember, remember that? Is anybody still traumatized from that? Or are you okay? Are you guys over it by now? And remember at the end, you're supposed to write a conclusion of your introduction, you write your thesis statement, and then you write all your supporting points, and then the bottom, at the, at the end conclusion, you, you say your summary of it all. So verse 11 is kind of the summary of everything he said so far. Here's my thesis, he says, verse 11, but each, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. Hear the point? distributing to each one individually as he wills. 
This is his deal, not yours. The reason we say that so much is because we're, we think everything needs to be our business. Inquiring minds want to know, right? So he's saying, come on now. This is his business. So there's several things in, in verse 11. The, the phrase there at the end of verse 11, um, at the, in the middle of verse 11, the same spirit works all these things. In Greek, the all these things, in other words, all the gifts is like um, emphasized in Greek. If you were sending this, if Paul were writing a text message, this would be all capitals. The exception to that is my mom who just forgets to turn off her all caps, so all her text messages to me are in all caps. So. But he's doing all caps, all these. In other words, every single thing that takes place in the body of Christ is not, no exception. All these gifts um, are from him. And then he makes this emphasis again. Notice in verse 11, the same spirit works all in all. And so we're going to see in a minute here through the list of the spiritual gifts. Notice he's always referring back to the spirit. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. If in case you forgot, it's the spirit. <laughs> the same spirit is the one at work in each of us, and it's the same Spirit facilitating each of the gifts. Also, in verse 11, the same Spirit works, works in all things. In Greek, that is a present active indicative. An indicative uh, mood verb means it's a fact. This is just, this is the Spirit does this. It's a fact. We're not speculating. This isn't a theory. This is, Paul is explaining to the church, this is the way it works. It's a fact. Um, the present tense often can mean it's an ongoing thing. So isn't it true this morning the Spirit is always at work in His people? The body of Christ means everything good that happens, it's the Holy Spirit always we can attribute it to. He's always the one at work. And then that, that idea of His ongoing activity is also emphasized at a, in a participle there at the end of verse 11 where He says He is distributing he is at work, he is, he is working, and he is distributing, and both those verbs are in the present tense, which means it is just him, 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 always active. Aren't you thankful, by the way, I know I am, this morning as we come into this place and as we are in this precious place and we are in these, um, these are consequential days, are they not? Do you feel that ever? We live in consequential times, and I feel it deeply when we come to camp and we are here. It's always amazing to me how this passes. You know, 11 days sounds like a long time, but it's really not. The, I think you all realize this as we're here at camp. Your minutes pass so quickly. I can't tell you how many times I, I'm here at camp and I'm just praying every day, Jesus, my minutes are this many. We, we go to the tabernacle, we go to the cafeteria. Somebody once said you do three things at camp. You, you eat, go to church, and you go to the bathroom. Those are basically, that, that's camp meeting, right? So, um, but our minutes pass so quickly and I'm always praying, Jesus, would you just divinely appoint the minutes that we have that are allotted to us here to do the things that you want to do? Who do we need to speak to today? Who needs that encouraging word? Who do we need to pray with? And, and I think you realize that here at camp this week, these moments are fleeting, and these are extremely consequential minutes that we have. I am glad that I don't have to be in charge of how that takes place. I'm glad there's somebody that knows and is in charge of facilitating this. That's not me. I don't have to make this thing happen this morning, but he gets to. Amen? That's a freeing thing. So, 
Paul's point is it is him, 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 him in verse 11. So that's why when you go back to verses 8 through 10, you'll notice, and again, the overwhelming statement of his control. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you are in control of this time. And if we will just be submissive and surrender to you, God's not stingy about that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Ask and it will be given to you. Not a stingy God this morning saying, there's these people really wanting me to move and I'll think about it, right? God is in control and God is good. God is good. So again, when you go to um, verses, then the list of the, 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 the sampling list, I'll say, of the gifts in verses 8 through 11, all I'm trying to say to you this morning is look at the repetition. If you're doing Bible study, and we can talk about this more during the week if you want to, but if you're, if you're doing Bible study and if you keep a notebook like I do, one of the things to look for is just repetition. If it's being repeated, that means it's important, right? That was, you remember this in school. If, it was re, if the teacher said a lot, write it down. It's going to be on the test. Your mom, some of you had a repeating mom. Anybody ever repeat? Remember, I ask this every time. Anybody who had a repeating mom? And then how many of you are the repeating mom? All right, there we go. Repeating wife. Oh. I'll leave that to Tom. I'll let, I'll let that be yours. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, brother. Repetition. Just look for repetition, and when you see something repeated a lot, that's, that's significant. So obviously, verse 11, he summarizes it, but look at all the repetition. Do you see it? If, even if you just look at the Scripture, and by the way, I, I say to people sometimes, the first step to Bible study is to open your Bible, Right? To actually just look at what's there, just read the word, just look at it and begin to take time and see what's there. And so verse 8, he makes a couple emphases. Notice that he says, one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. He makes this big point in the Greek. The prepositional phrase dia, the preposition dia, literally means he's the, he's the agent or the means of this through the Spirit. And notice that it says, it, see, one is given. It's in the passive voice, meaning, you guys remember your grammar, and that a, an active verb means the subject does it, but a passive verb means the subject is just receiving the action. The boy hit the ball or the boy gets hit by the ball is the passive verb. And so the one, whoever this person is, a hypothetical person that Paul's talking about here, the one is just on the receiving end. You are given. By, so it's the Spirit is the facilitator of this. You go down to the end of verse 8, and he says, to another the word of knowledge through, or kata in Greek, means kind of like according to the same Spirit. So repetition, same Spirit. It's the Spirit that does it. This gift, oh, it's the Spirit that does it. And then you go into verse 9, and he says, to another the working of miracles, to another the discerning of spirits. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I was in verse 10. To another faith by the same Spirit, the preposition n or by means through the same Spirit or in the location of the, the Spirit. And then again in verse 9, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Boom, 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 boom. You can't miss it. Hello, Corinthians. Right? Can't miss this. So same point again in case you missed it. 
So my question for me this morning is, like the Corinthians, how do I miss it? Why do I find out I'm ISTJ and that's all I can focus on? Why do I... I'm invited to come in and, and do Bible study at Syker in the mornings. And why is it that I get so focused on that and say, oh, that's where I, I really got to do this and this and this. And of course, I got to prepare and all this. But oh, there's this pressure. Why, how do I forget? How do I miss the fact that this is all him? And so this morning, I'd like to just ask you this question. In your life, I'd like you to just take like a couple minutes to yourself, all right? We don't usually do this. Like take a couple minutes this morning, maybe one minute. Fill in the blank in your own life. Maybe write it in your notes. Uh, ask the Lord for a moment. I can get more focused on blank than him. Would you take just a moment and answer that for yourself? Write it down. I can get more focused on hmm, than him. I have the potential, I have the tendency, I have the temptation to get more focused on this than him. Take a moment. So Paul comes to the Corinthians, essentially, is asking, why? Why? And one of the things I've been learning over these years is um, in the Word of God, and even as Paul writes a letter like this to a very difficult church, I think you guys know that, um, like, Paul thought of the churches as his kids, like, not in a condescending way, but in a loving way. He thought of the church, like, he, he said, even in earlier Corinthians, I have begotten you, I'm like a father. I am your father. No, I, you know, that kind of thing. So um, he thought of the, the churches as his kids. And I think you know in a family, like maybe in your family, you know how like there was an easy child in your family? Did you, anybody, was anybody here the easy kid? Some of you were. Who was the difficult child at your? Did you know the Corinthians are the difficult child? Yeah, I mean, you guys know like the Thessalonians, easy kid. Philippians, easy kid. Corinthians, ah, <laughs> you know, is this the, this, they're the stress-producing church, right? But even to this church, even as he's really like addressing them very direct, and there's a lot of zingers in this letter. There's a lot of tweaking. There's a lot of just like, uh, there's a lot of really, hey, I'm talking straight to you here. But even in that, there's a lot of love. And so when I say this, Paul is even asking in love to these people, like, why, why, why? And the invitation, and it's really not a condemnation. It's this, come on, come on, guys. He's not like wagging his finger and as much he's kind of going, come on, come on. Kind of the running alongside, come on, let's go. And so the invitation of this is that can we not see that everything is from him? This is why we played, uh, I love the song, um, Only Jesus from Casting Crowns. And uh, only Jesus, he is the source. It's all his. Jesus is, through the Holy Spirit, the source. He's the facilitator, and he is the manager of all things in my life. And that includes whatever he wants to do through me in ministry. Amen? Jesus is the source. 
He's the provider, he's the facilitator, and he is the manager. And what would it be? What a joy to live like that because that means the pressure's off me. I don't, have to figure, I don't have to figure it out and I don't have to perform it. He just does it and that's a joy. I think we could actually begin to live the kind of joy that Brother Joe was preaching about, don't you? Did you hear that, Brother Joe? We had about five people agree with that. Sidewalk prophet sings, I want to live like that. So everything I say and do points to you. I want to live like that. All right, now, if you understand that whole perspective of what we're saying, it's all him, then you begin to look at verses 8 through 10 with different, you know, the glasses last night. We begin to look through different eyes at the gifts of the Spirit that he begins to list. If we don't understand everything he's been saying, that it's all him, you know, he's the source, the facilitator, the manager, again, we tend to very much get focused on the thing itself. And uh, actually, Tab and I um, uh, were in a conversation this week, and we, we are even aware of some situations we were even discussing around the church where there are people actually doing that. They're getting caught up in the thing instead of the word in him. So, Oh, yeah, fill in the blank. So, you know, as we said the other day, Jesus, you're Lord of whatever, as you're, you know, Matt, Matt uh, President Brooks and I were this morning talking about shaving again. Saying, Jesus, you're Lord of that, and you're Lord of that, and you're Lord of that. So this morning, what is it that you need to fill in the blank and say, Jesus, right now, you are the manager of this in my life? Remember the prayer of Ian Thomas? Jesus, I can't. You never said I could. But you can and always said you would. And that's all I need to know. So again, if you have that perspective now, that's going to affect our whole vision of this list. Of, instead of looking at the list and going, ooh, which one do I want? Ooh, which one am I? Ooh, which one do, which one do I need to work on? Instead of that kind of focus, then it begins to change my focus to understanding that it's, it's him. Notice that the very first word, before he even begins to list or talk about some of the examples of gifts, notice the, what's the first word of verse 8 in your Bible? For. That means what's in verse 8 must be the continuation of verse 7. Right? If it begins with for, I mean, in the New King James or King James Version, Verse 8, it's like starts mid-sentence. Verse 8 is like not even a, the beginning of a sentence. It's almost the continuation of a sentence, which is how Paul wrote it. Paul says the beginning of verse 8, 4, it's a continuation. So remember what verse 7 said. It's the gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. So all these things are going to be so. Now, 4, I'm going to give you some examples of what a manifestation of the Spirit looks like. Remember, manifestation of the Spirit, so now here they are. And each one of these things is not something you do, it's a manifestation of the Spirit in all things. So he's going to list some of these things, but what we really get the picture of then is that these, these things that he's going to talk about, for example, like in verses 8 through 10, oh, he's going to talk about the word of wisdom or word of knowledge or the gift of faith or the gift of healing or the working of miracles or prophecy or discernment or even languages. What you get the idea then, if it's all him, these things or acts are like different facets of him. You're really looking at different 
sides of him. You're looking at different abilities of him. You're looking at different ministries or uh, uh, facets, abilities, manifestations, qualities of him. Does that make sense? These are all different sides of him and what he does. By the way, Jesus is so amazing. I, I like to think of John's gospel as John's gospel is like a diamond that just shows all the facets, all the beautiful facets of Jesus. Which, by the way, that's what heaven's for, is we get eternity to explore all that. Amen. We get eternity to get to know all the amazing facets of who he is. That's going to take forever because he's, he's, he's eternal. So these different facets. And so, so as an example, this is, again, I, I'm so, sometimes I'm so poor in my illustrations, but this is, you please forgive me, this is the best illustration of this I could think of because it's, it's something close to me. So, um, oh, let me say this first. So remember, as we said earlier in the week, the, there's a difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit listed, we said this already, but just to review, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, every Christian has the fruit of the Spirit, right? If you have the Spirit, you get His fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Everybody's going to get those. In growing measure, of course, we're all still growing, okay? Camp meeting is a great test of that. It's a great growing exercise, right? You know, okay, we're tired, we live together, we share food together, we share bathrooms together. This is a great growing experience. This is a very, this is a fruit growing week, amen? Okay, so fruit of the Spirit. Every Christian has the fruit of the Spirit. You recognize it when you see a believer and a believer and a believer. You recognize the same love of Jesus. You recognize the goodness of Jesus. You recognize the patience of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus. It looks the same in every Christian. The gifts of the Spirit are not the same. These are unique abilities or facets of Him that He does in us differently to make the body of Christ work. So everybody has the same fruit. Everybody does not have the same gift of the Spirit. So when you're looking at these different gifts, these different facets of him, my, my, the way my brain works is I think about, I think about my home city of Chicago. Um, for instance, there are many different views. How many of you, you know, you ever see a postcard or a poster of Chicago? It's one of the most photographed cities in the world. This is my favorite vantage point of Chicago right here. This vantage point is taken from, if anybody knows the city, um, this is down on the lake. This is off Lakeshore Drive where um, there's the uh, Shedd Aquarium and you go out the pier kind of to the Adler Planetarium. And this is taken kind of out on the pier where Adler Planetarium is. And you've got this incredible view of the city. There on the left is the, um, what formerly known as the Sears Tower. And uh, I forget the name of it now, but anyway, as it used to be, I'll, I'll always call it Sears Tower. So there's Sears Tower and you have this incredible view. But that's only, and people debate, you know, you know their fav they say, no, this is Chicago. This is, you know, they, and, and whenever people say, no, this is Chicago, this is Chicago, they're talking about what they, where they've experienced it from or where they've seen it from. And that's kind of almost, in a way, what the Corinthians were doing. They were taking their view of the Spirit, their, an exp, a one experience, one facet of the Spirit. Oh, the Spirit gives this gift of languages. And they were saying, no, that's the, holy, that's the whole thing. That's the thing right there. And Paul's saying, no, that's just one asset. That's just one facet of him. That's just one view of him. That's just one manifestation of him. So there's lots of views of Chicago. For instance, there's Hancock Tower. There's another view on the upper right of downtown. There on the bottom left is the place where I proposed to my wife. 
Buckingham Fountain in Chicago. That's where I knelt right there on the south side, on the south end at 6 o'clock of Buckingham Fountain, and I proposed to Trina there. And then on the bottom right is one of the best locations in the world. So actually, in our family, we have four favorite locations. I'm going to let you in on a secret, and I'm, I'm going to say this with some risk because this is being recorded because it hurts some people's feelings. But I'm going to say there's our, our, my family has four favorite places in the world. Camp Syker, New London, Connecticut, where my son is now, Clearwater Beach, Florida, and Wrigley Field. <laughs> the four best places in the world. What Paul's saying is, for example, Chicago's not any one of those places. Those are just different aspects of the whole thing. Does that make sense? I know it's silly. One gift is not the whole thing he's saying. It's one aspect of what he does. Does that make a little bit of sense? He's much bigger than just, you guys try to box him into one thing. You guys, just, you guys have tried to say, oh, if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't have him. He's going, you guys are so trying to box him into like one little thing. He's much bigger than any one gift. These are all manifestations of him. And so I've been thinking about this a lot to help me in my, you know, I have to do a lot of stuff to help. I, I, I need a lot of help mentally. Anybody else? I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a mentally needy person, all right? I really am. I come from a long line of uh, warriors, you know. And so I began to think, what if to help me remind me of this, what if I just put the word his on the beginning of every spiritual gift just to remind me? So when Paul lists all those spiritual gifts in verses 8 through 10, he talks about the wisdom, you know, wisdom through the Spirit, word of knowledge, faith, gift of healings. What if I just put his on the beginning? Just to remind me, they're all his. His wisdom, his knowledge, his faith, his healing, his miracles, his prophecy, his discernment, his gift of languages, his interpretation of those languages. And what if that just constantly reminded me that it's all him? It's his. It's not mine. It's his. And I shared this already, but what if, what if like, all these years I've used the phrase spiritual gifts. Paul even, the, new, the King James translation even says, now concerning spiritual gifts. And I've wondered if that's been a misnomer or if that's kind of, that's in my own mind has misled me. Because when we talk about gifts, and, and again, we shared this already because I, I can't help getting ahead of myself sometimes. I apologize. But when we talk about gifts in our culture, I know we said this, but when we talk about gifts in our culture, something leaves the possession of one person and it becomes in the possession of the other person. I gave someone a gift for Christmas. That means it was at one time in my possession, but that was temporary. And then when I literally handed it to that person or I transferred it in the in the, in, the, in the online banking or I transferred it to their possession and now I don't, you know, right? You don't, you don't do this. Anybody still claim ownership over any of the Christmas gifts you gave last year? Or did you release ownership of those things or are you still holding on? Don't be that parent, all right? So you don't literally think of it as yours still. You're, you're saying, ah, it's, it's theirs. I gave it to them. And you hope people are treating you that way. You know, you don't, hope you don't have to worry about it if you... If you want to sell it in the garage sale, it'll be okay, right? It's theirs. It's not, 
And so when we say gift, I think in my brain for many years, we said spiritual gifts, and in my mind, just like the way that computed and calculated and just kind of the way our culture works, it kind of connotes the idea or conveys the idea, oh, he gave me something, now it's mine. And I use it, and I, you know, it's at my disposal, and it's mine, and he's over there, and I'm here, and he gave it to me. And that's absolutely not at all the New Testament concept, because you know in the New Testament, and the New Testament concept is, it's not mine, and he's over there, and, and I'm here, and it's mine. This is the way it is. Nothing ever leaves him. Nothing's mine apart from him. He's in me, and everything's his. And as a matter of fact, I'm his. And that's what Paul said earlier in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God, and you... Not even you yourself are not your own. You've been bought at a price. It's all him. So all these things, it's always, listen, this is a great thing. This is not my ministry this week. This is not my ministry. You know, all the time we talk about my, you know, tell me about your ministry. Well, I'll tell you about my ministry. I don't have a ministry. It's his ministry. I'm just the, I'm just the conduit. I'm just the spigot. It's his ministry. We don't have a ministry. Maybe we should talk about this. We don't have a church. This is my church. Really? Better watch it, preacher. This is our church. We've been around here for we've been around here for a while and we're going to outlast you. <laughs> our church. I don't have a church. Not my church. Not my ministry, not my preaching, not even, that's why I give it away. It's not my material. People ask me all the time, why don't you charge for it? Why do you charge for something that's not yours, you know? How do I dare think it's my ministry, my thing? Nothing leaves him and becomes mine. It is all him all the time through me at all times. And that is the New Testament. That's a holiness concept is that we are the vessels of his holiness. We are the dwelling places of him. So it's always him. Again, we're, we're vessels, we're conduits. I know that's not very flattering. I don't like to think of myself as just a spigot. Not very flattering. You don't feel very important. It does nothing for your, you know, glamour or whatever. But that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. We are earthen vessels, right? But boy, do these earthen vessels get to contain something. They get to contain his glory. And it's his glory showing through these, broken, these, these earthen vessels. So it's always him. Hope you're getting that. So... Even the term gift kind of conveys that. And I'll, I'll finish up here. Even the term gift, um, the term gift in Greek, Paul uses is charisma, which is interesting, right? Charisma. Now, charisma in Greek, Greek's kind of like building blocks. It's kind of fun for me, right? I like these, uh, you know, you can build words from root words, add on different endings to create different parts of speech and so forth. So the word charisma in Greek comes from the noun charis, which means grace. Charis is grace. So you can see that what, the, what, he, what you do when you, when you use the word uh, charisma, you're taking the root word charis, which means grace, and you're putting the M-A ending on the end of it, right? You see that? Charis plus M-A. Now, in Greek, the suffix M-A means that something is concrete. Something is concrete. It is very down-to-earth, 
uh, tangible, touchable, tasteable, seeable, hearable, very tangible, down to earth. So, if you take literally like the building block meanings of this Greek word, charisma, it's grace in a very concrete, touchable, tasteable, down to earth, hearable, seeable form. So, you know what the gifts of the Spirit are? I, I like this a lot. You know what the gifts of the Spirit really are? They are the grace of Jesus on the ground. It's the grace of God on the ground. Not in theory, the grace of God, oh, it's a wonderful nebulous thing that floats around in space and the grace of God is here somehow, it's working. No, the grace of God is he comes to live in us and literally boots on the ground, in my hands, in my face, in my feet, in my, in my voice, in my tangible body right here on Syker, on this very soil, on the streets where I live, in the house where I live, at the job where I work, on the freeway where I drive, yes, there too. I get to be the demonstration of the grace of God on the ground. Probably share with you this before. I'm like, my, for years, uh, my... I worked on, like, Jesus, you got it, like, in the, the way I speak to my kids. I know I share this. I share the same stuff all the time. My kids talk to me about, Dad, the way you say stuff, it just kind of is not very, you know, you're saying it, but sometimes it comes out as maybe, you know, not in the most gracious way. And so years, years, I pray just, oh, Jesus, you got to work through my words, and you just got to give me the tone. Even, even in correction sometimes, let it be filled with grace. Let your speech be with grace. So I prayed for years, and, and God was really working in me. And like all of a sudden, you know, after a while, I was starting to be aware, like, okay, God, every time I talk to my kids or about something, even correcting them or addressing something and, and the grace of God and being very gracious about it, one day, you know, I was doing that, and, and still they were looking at me with that look. I'm like, what? I said, I've been, haven't I been speaking graciously? Yes. I said, Dad, it wasn't the way you were talking. It's your face. I'm like, oh, man, now I got something else. Thank you, Lord. Even now my face, may my face, my voice, everything be your grace on the ground. Paul's saying, folks, that's what the gifts of the Spirit are. You get to be right here this week the grace of Jesus on the ground in a very concrete, down-to-earth way for somebody today. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. Now, finally, let's wrap up. Notice that he says these are distributed to individuals. These are given, the manifestation is given to each one, each one. It is given to individuals. It is manifested through each one. So um, each person, each one of you here this morning, God wants to work through you in a unique way in the body. Isn't that cool? I think it's an awesome thing. Thank God for all the unique giftings in the body of Christ that the Holy Spirit does that makes the body of Christ work. And I just want to say, especially, I'd like to just give a special shout out this morning for all those people that God gifts with cooking in the church. Amen. We're especially like those. So God works through each one, but what we're going to get into on Tuesday, I'm sorry, Wednesday, is it's exponential through the whole. 
The grace of Jesus is on the ground then to each other, through each other. And what we're going to look at um, beginning um, on Wednesday is how that fleshes out in the body of Christ. And it's never about me. It's always about him. It's never about me and my ministry. Look at me. Hey, it's really important that I get to do my thing. Hey, don't forget me. It's my ministry. Hey, don't forget I have an important place. Yada, yada, yada. Hey, it's always about, hey, Jesus, what do you want to do with us? Anything you do through me is for the purpose of us. Anything you do through us here is for the purpose of all those folks out there, for those kids up on the hill this morning and those in the children's tabernacle. Anything he wants to do through us is for the benefit and for the sake um, of them. So not about, so you want to win people to Christ? That's how people are won. <laughs> I loved Rebecca's testimony this morning in the prayer meeting. Thank you, Rebecca. I love that, that joy of the Lord and that when, when pe- that's what's going to win people to Christ, right? When people see this amazing miracle happened. I mean, people ask, why aren't there more miracles today? Why aren't there more people? You know, is there still, you know, people ask me all the time, is there a gift of healings? And does Jesus like actually do that kind of miraculous stuff today? And I'm like, yeah, I think he does. But you know what the greatest miracle of all that's going to win people in our day is, is when Christians get along. That's, that's probably the best one. And when they see this knit together, selfless group of people that are just dying to themselves and love each other, and he's just pouring out of them, that's what's going to win people to Christ. That's what Paul's saying. It's not about you. It's about us. So that really changes my perspective on anything about gifts of the Spirit. It really puts me in a new mindset because it begins to say, Jesus, how about this? It doesn't matter what you do through me. As a matter of fact, I don't even, know, even, know what my, I don't even need to know what my gift is. You can just work through me. Would you be willing to say this? You can just work through me any way you want to, Lord. You don't even have to tell me ahead of time. I don't have to even have some title on it. Just work through me how you want to today. And by the way, if you want to make that different tomorrow, I'm all in for that too. No, wait a minute, God. You gave me that. You gave, that's my ministry now. Remember, I don't have a ministry. I don't have a position. I don't have a title. I'm just John, and I get to be indwelt by him and get to be his grace on the ground right here, however he wants to do that today. So I don't care. Do whatever you want to through me. I don't even need to know at all what it is in any way, and I just want to be not caught up in that. I want to be caught up in you. I want to just be absolutely enamored with you and into this intimacy of relationship with you, and I just want to know you more and be so caught up in you. It just doesn't even matter where you place me or what you want. You, you can, Jesus, I love you so much, and I owe you so much I can never repay. I just want to be wherever you want me to be and want you to do through me whatever you want to do in my life. Amen? Amen. Show yourself through me however you want to today. I'm, I'm open. Place me where you need me most. So would you pray this prayer with me in your heart? Jesus, through your spirit, be the source, facilitator, and manager of my life and all you want to do through me right here and now, in whatever way you desire, may my life be your grace on the ground. Would you join me in that today? And guess what? In trusting, there's joy. In trusting and surrendering that, there's great joy. Jesus, make it so with us today. All through this day, I pray that all across this grounds, all across this grounds, you would be so evident and be your grace on the ground 
boots on the ground, in our hands and our faces, <laughs> in our voices, in the way you want to serve through us today. Lord, we don't have any stipulations on that. We don't have any um, requirements or parameters. We don't have any demands. We say to you today, be the source, facilitator, and manager of everything you want to do through us today, wherever you need us most. Wherever you need to be your grace today, just be it and count us in. And we love you. Pray that in this service to come. As our brother Joe will preach the word, be it in this time, the service tonight as brother Tom comes, and in mission day, oh, tomorrow, God, would you make it so? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you in a few minutes.